Hey everyone, let's ramble for a little bit. episode of Theological Ramblings. Today we are going to be going through and talking about the first commandment. And always I have with me Pastor Tom Fricky, the Magnificent. Say to- hi, Tom. As always, happy to be here. Hi. And uh, Pastor Ross Henze, the August. Hello, everyone. All right. So as I said, we are going to be discussing the first commandment today. Now, Uh, The first commandment states, you shall have no other gods. So if we should have no other gods, we should probably know which god it is we should have. Now, when we get to the Apostles' Creed in this podcast, we'll study who God is and what he's done for us in great detail because that's what the Apostles' Creed is all about. But for now, Ross, could you briefly explain for the audience who God is? No pressure with that question. <laughs> well, I mean, we could be talking for a long time about this. Um, but if we, if we look at some of our previous podcasts, we have said that everyone knows from nature and your conscience that there is a God. But you don't know who that is. So we need to go to the Bible to find out who that God is. And God tells us who he is in the Bible. He tells us that there is one God one God in three persons. So our God is triune. We, there is God who is our creator, God the Father, God the Son, the Redeemer, and God the Holy Spirit is the sanctifier. Uh, and I understand that that concept of one God in three persons is very difficult to maybe understand. And one way that I, I like to try to explain it is to say, Uh, Phil, uh, you are a pastor, you are a father, you are a husband. So you have three different job descriptions. So your job as a pastor is different than your job as a husband, uh, as a father, but it's still you. It's still you. So in that kind of light, we try to understand that our God is triune, one God in three persons. And God tells us about himself in the Bible. He tells us that he is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. And so he is the one who has created the world and everything in it. He's the one who sent his son to die for us. He's the one who's promised us a home in heaven. Yeah, thank you, Ross. And as we said, we'll be talking about that in great, great detail when we get to the lessons in the Apostles' Creed. That's what the Apostles' Creed is all about. Now, Tom, there are many other gods out there or ideas about God. For example, in the Hindu religion, they have gods like Vishnu and Shiva, or uh, some of our listeners may know some of the ancient gods that people believed in, like Zeus or Thor or Osiris. Um, Now, with the first commandment, what does the God of the Bible claim about himself in comparison to all these other gods? I could put it very simply by saying he he is our creator and our redeemer. And he alone is the one who has created us and uh, saved us from all of our sins. A good example of the way God puts this is in the book of Isaiah, 
in chapters 42, 43, probably hitting its height in, in chapters 44, 45, 46, God says again and again things like, I am the Lord, there is no other. Apart from me, there is no Savior. And he clearly defines himself as our Savior God and the only one true God. In chapter 44, uh, Isaiah explains how a craftsman goes out into the woods. He cuts down a tree, makes a, an idol out of a block of wood. He's the one who gives it a mouth, gives it ears, gives it eyes and uh, then throws the rest of it into the fire and warms himself for that and bakes his bread over the fire. And there is a little bit of divine irony or even humor in that portion. No one stops to think, isn't this thing in my right hand a lie? That's basically what uh, God is saying there, that uh, human beings want to make God for themselves. God is the one who has made us, and he is powerful and he alone is our savior. So the basic point is God made us. We don't make him. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. So a number of things you said and kind of everything you said, God is very exclusive, right? He's the one. Um, I, I always like thinking, we'll get to God's name more in our next episode, but when God told Moses who he was, he said, I am who I am. I'm the one who exists as opposed to all the other other gods. So that kind of leads to a follow-up question, and this is kind of a touchy subject. Um, you two may have seen those coexist bumper stickers where the word coexist is spelled out using all sorts of different religious symbols. And that bumper sticker kind of proclaims a spirit of our times where we're told to all get along and that religion is fine as long as we allow everyone to have their own and we should respect everyone's belief and get along in spite of our different religious beliefs. Um, now, could you two compare that with what we teach about the first commandment? Ross, you got first dibs. Well, I guess my first response to that is that bumper sticker is the sentiment that all religions are really all the same. And I would definitely not agree with that. So what I would come back and ask someone is, is how do you get to heaven? Uh, how do you get to heaven? Do you get to heaven, uh, we would say, through our faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior? So it's kind of that concept, do all steeples reach to heaven? Well. Not every religion is going to be based upon uh, faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so that's where the differences are. And even then, do you believe that you get into heaven through your faith alone? Or is, do you believe that if you're a good enough person or if your good works combine with that or it also follows? Are, are you going to believe that this big uh, ceramic statue over in the corner that you pray to, is that going to get you into heaven? And so that's how I would probably answer that. You look at all of these different religions and the question you're searching for is, is how do I get to heaven? And ours, uh, we believe that we get to heaven through faith in Jesus. Mm -hmm. Kind of going off that, I once, I worked at a sandwich shop and I was talking with my boss about this. And he said, religion are just like grocery stores. You know, you can go to Walmart Grocery or Econo or Woodman's but you get your groceries from everyone. But our, our faith would say, no, 
know that, uh, like you said, Jesus is the only way to heaven. We can't make that comparison. Tom, do you have anything to add? The comparison that I've heard is the all cow paths lead to the same barn. Right. And, of course, that, that simply isn't true. Coexist, yes. We can coexist with people of other faiths and religions. Our faith in God is going to come out with uh, in, in the way we act toward other people, and we treat everybody with respect. So to coexist, yeah, we can do that, get along with other people, people of other faiths, yes, we can get along with them, respect them, yes. But we have to share the truth, and the truth is, you know, as Peter said, salvation is found in no one else. There's, there's no other name under heaven uh, by which we can be saved. We need to know who Jesus Christ is, and he is the way and the truth and the life. As he said, nobody comes to the Father except through him. There is salvation in no one other than Jesus Christ. Yeah, thank you, Tom. So uh, audience, all of us have kind of said it, and this is kind of a, like we said, a touchy subject these days, but Christianity is very exclusive. Um, the truths of the Bible claim there is only one God and Jesus is the way to salvation. Um, so we confess that uh, without, uh, without uh, oh, beating around the bush or, or whatever. Jesus is the one way to salvation. All right, let's see. So the first commandment tells us we are to have one God and he's the triune God and that he is the true God as opposed to all others. Now, when people think about that, they might think, well, great, I'm a Christian. I believe in the one true God. Looks like I've kept the first commandment. Well, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves just a little bit if we think that way. In his explanation to the first commandment, Luther says that we should fear, love, and trust God above all things. So, Ross, in what ways can we break the first commandment even if we claim we believe in the one true God? Well, I know I believe in the one true God, and yet if I'm being honest, uh, I break this commandment all the time. Uh, I, I stop for a second and, and, you th and you think about, well, how often don't I know myself, maybe not others, but you try to solve all your problems on your own as if you possess the ability to solve every problem that comes into your life. And maybe some of those problems do come into your life to realize that you can't do it all on your own and you have to turn to your Lord. Or, you know, I would say we break this commandment anytime we make people or things more important than our God. You know, it's kind of like we put our hand up to God and say, uh, I'm sorry, God, but these rules, you know, the rest of the commandments, they don't really apply to me. What's an ex well, uh, I mean, it's kind of an example is, uh, well, my kids are playing basketball, and so we're going to go play basketball. Um, it's more important for me to get my kids into the basketball tournament than it is for me to be in worship on a Sunday morning. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's kind of an example of, hey, w what's, what's more important to me? And um, when we allow someone or something to be more important to us than being uh, and worshiping our God and putting him first, we break the first commandment. And unfortunately, we do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Ross. Um, 
And some of the things you've been talking about we call secret idolatry, and you mentioned a number. It's any time we worship or value something other than the one true God, um, and or we value something more than our God. Uh, and any time we value something more than God, that's our idol. And secret idolatry is when we claim we believe in God, but in our heart we really love or trust or value something above God. Now, Ross, as you said, we all have been guilty of this at one point or another. And sometimes we aren't even aware that we're valuing something above God. So, Tom, could you think of some idols that people commonly struggle with in our day and age? Ross gave us a few. Sometimes we trust in ourselves more than God. But could you give us some more, Tom? Sure. The basic principle here, I think, is, is this. There is a God, and it's not me. And I need to be able to understand that. Uh, Martin Luther said that the, anything that you put all of your trust in and from which you expect all good, uh, that's in, a, in essence your God by default. And oftentimes it just ends up being ourself. Uh, the God that we worship is not our friends, it's not our parents, it's not our family, it's not basketball or golf or camping. Uh, the God that we worship uh, isn't what is our idea of fun or our parties or whatever it might be. Uh, we can make a God out of money, out of our things, out of our job. And these are all the kinds of things that end up coming between us and God. The things that we start to put our trust in or we start to fret about and worry about or the things that we place in front of our service to the Lord and uh, what follows from that, and that is our kindness and our treatment of uh, love and respect toward other people. Yeah, thank you, thank you, Tom. You mentioned quite a few examples there. Um, but I would say sometimes it's hard to tell if we do have a secret idol. Sometimes we can kind of deceive ourselves, and we don't know we're loving or trusting something more than God. Ross and Tom, what, what might be some warning signs that a person is breaking the first commandment by loving and trusting something other than God? Well, I would, I would think the answer would be when you're starting to look for specific answers. You're looking for uh, some of those very difficult questions. What's my future hold? And you're, you're going in places other than God. Maybe you're going to check your horoscope or you're going to check in with a psychic or uh, hey I wore my lucky socks today. I had a good day today so I have to wear my lucky socks. Oh wait a minute, where are my lucky socks? You know what I mean? And so you, you get that concept of I'm putting my hope and my trust in something other than my God. I mean there's so many things that uh, lead us to break the first commandment, whether it's money, our kids, our job, our spouse, uh, and all the other things that I've mentioned before. So plenty, plenty, plenty of options for us to, to lead us away where we're looking for answers, maybe answers for the future, answers for the past, but we're looking for in all the wrong places. Tom? What are we looking for in life? Uh, security, fulfillment, happiness, love, and where do we find all of that? Well, we find that in our God. And when we start putting other things uh, ahead of God, uh, if other things become more important than our worship, for instance, uh, then it's a good sign that we're starting to drift away 
and uh, we're breaking this commandment again. And we do it all the time. I mean, it's, it's ultimately enthroning ourselves in God's place. But uh, the, the, the warning signs are, are there. I think the antidote is to go back into the scriptures and there, listen to what God is telling us. And again and again, the Lord is reminding us of the great things that he has done for us. Peace, security, hope for the future, uh, all of those kinds of things. Love, uh, we find them in the Lord himself and, and in him alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Tom. One, uh, one uh, of my professors in seminary, I thought, shared something that was wise. He said, um, look at your calendar and look at your bank account. You know, if you want to know where your priorities are, that can be a pretty good indication. Where you spend your time and where you spend your money shows you uh, what your priorities are. And if you take a good hard look at that and there's no time in your calendar carved out for God or there's no use of your money to help others or give your gifts back to God, you know, sometimes that can be an indicator of where are my priorities and what am I really valuing in this life. So um, let's just dive into Luther's explanation of the first commandment a little more. I think people understand loving and trusting in God above all things. Like we can love and trust in money more than God. But in Luther's explanation, it also says we should fear God above all things. Now, Tom, what does it mean to fear God? This is one of the concepts in Luther's Catechism that needs explanation because the way we normally use the word fear, we're thinking of terror, uh, and uh, that may be involved at least partially in the concept of, of fearing the Lord, but there's more to it than just that. I mean, we should fear his punishment, but we also know the Lord's love, and so the way the scriptures use the word fear, particularly in the Old Testament, and as Luther did in the Catechism, fear, love, and trust in God above all things, really is saying we need to, to recognize his power, his authority, and then honor and respect him more than anything else. And so uh, fear would be basically the idea of honor and respect for the Lord as God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Some, sometimes the way I like to explain it is when I was younger, I took karate lessons for a while. And my karate teacher, I mean, he was awesome. I'm, he was very skilled. I saw him knock people out a couple times. And there was a recognition of that power, you know, that you don't mess with this guy. I wasn't afraid of him. He didn't wish me any harm. No, he cared about me. But there was still this kind of awe and respect of him. Yeah. Okay, so now that we have a little bit better understanding of the first commandment, could both of you think of an example from Jesus' life where he exemplified obedience to the first commandment? Ross, we'll let you respond first. Well, when I thought about that question, uh, I'll admit about three examples came to my mind right away. And the first example was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when you know he prayed father not my will but your will be done if there's a way for me to carry out your plan of salvation without having to go through what i have to go through boy let's have that happen but you know what not what i want lord what do you want and obviously god the father wanted that done uh second one is jesus on the cross 
obviously when he said to Telestai, it is finished, I came here to carry out my father's plan of salvation. And uh, another one that came to my mind was when Jesus was a 12 year old boy and uh, his parents couldn't find him. Uh, Mary and Joseph scoured looking for him and after three days they found him in the temple courts and why wouldn't you come automatically think about me finding me here? I need to be about my father's business. So those are three that came to my mind right away. Tom. Those are the examples that I thought of as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I can maybe add this. Well, simply, great minds think alike. Simply the fact that Jesus Christ came into this world. Uh, I'm here to do your will, Father, is, is what Jesus is saying at that point, uh, too. And uh, all of the things that he did, you can just understand this from the moment that, uh, uh, well, yes, the 12-year-old boy in the temple, but his temptation in the wilderness, his willingness to be baptized by John, his uh, speaking about his fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures when he knew it was going to irritate and anger many of the Jewish people, and uh, Jesus continuing on uh, with his ministry despite all of the opposition to it, and finally making his way to the cross and praying there, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Uh, every single step of the way, Jesus is submitting his own will to his Father's will. And I think that gives us a great example. Uh, ultimately, uh, what Jesus did is he honored the first commandment by honoring the fifth commandment. He allowed himself to be murdered on the cross. And that says a lot about the way he respected what his Father had in mind for the world and his plan for Jesus' own life. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Tom. I think both of you hit on a lot of the big ones. I'll just mention what's kind of a little one, and maybe you guys can help me with this. I think it was when Jesus was in Capernaum. It says he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Um, you know, just that little phrase, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. It was Jesus' custom to be around God's word and around God's people and worshiping God. Um, that's just how he lived his life. Um, and so this is not only an example for us. What we can also remember about this is that Jesus did this for us. Jesus perfectly honored the first commandment in our place. So when God looks at us, we do have a perfect record of keeping the first commandment. I think that's the thought we should end on. So let's recommit ourselves to the first commandment knowing that we have the perfect record Jesus gave us. And let's seek out ways we can put God first in our lives. So audience, we will see you next time as we look at God's second commandment.